Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The LSU men's basketball team continues to not only ride the struggle bus, they very may well be driving it. After yet another loss in conference play, this time to the only team they've defeated in SEC play, and it may be the worst loss yet of the season. Give me a big old woof. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the studios by producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, and our new producer, Dawson Iserlo. We'll be here for you the next three hours. And we got a great show lined up for you. We're going to be talking NFL Championship Game Weekend. Vinny Iyer will be stopping by. We're going to be talking Saints. Sean Payton, can we finally get this offseason saga done with? Can he just sign with somebody already? Can they just trade for his rights already? Sure does feel like this is getting drug out. We'll discuss that with Andrew Juge of the Saints Half Hour Podcast. And we'll talk all things Tigers, both good and bad. And there'll be plenty of bad with Ron Higgins from Tiger Details. Those are our three guests, and we're going to touch on so much more as well. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, NBA, and so forth. And, of course, you know we love to hear from you. Game hotline is always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to start off today's show talking about the LSU Tigers, the men's basketball team in particular. Thank goodness the women are great. Thank goodness the football team won 10 games this year and looks like they're building towards something that's going to be good for years to come. Thank goodness the baseball team is going to be starting its season in a few weeks where it's ranked number one across the board and the expectations are, not only to make it to Omaha for the College World Series, something they haven't done in quite a while, but to win the whole thing. Because that will distract you from the absolute stench that is the LSU men's basketball team. There's no other way of saying it. I can sit here and tell you all about the fact that they have a mid-major roster, but you already know that. I can tell you that the new head coach, who's still a fairly young coach, took over a program that was messy, left behind by Will Wade. 
with all his nonsense with recruiting and NCAA violations and whatnot. We've talked about that over and over and over and over again. Young coach, mid-major roster, mess of a program. And they didn't play anybody throughout most of the season before they got to SEC play. Are they going to win another game is now where we're at. And that's a legitimate question. I know Mississippi State and Ole Miss are awful. I pay attention to the standings as well. Ole Miss is going to part ways with Kermit by the end of the year, their longtime head coach. That program looks lost. Mississippi State looks lost. South Carolina, rebuilding as well. I understand there's teams still on the schedule. Later, that this team could possibly beat. But does anyone feel confident that that will actually take place? Do you feel confident that this team, the way it's currently constructed, with its talent that it has, or let's put that in another way, the talent it doesn't have, can this team stop the bleeding? Texas Tech comes to town on Saturday for the Big 12 SEC Challenge. A month ago, that looked like, hey, that could be a good game. Now they're going to struggle to put butts in the seats because no one wants to see a team get embarrassed. And the goodwill built up from the non-conference schedule where they only lost one game, went 11-1, and is now gone. It's one thing to go on the road and get housed by Alabama, who appears to be a Final Four team this year. It's another thing to get pushed around by a far more physical Texas A&M team, which happened earlier in the SEC slate. But to go on the road against a wounded Arkansas team who did begin the year ranked and ranked even in the top 10 when LSU beat them at the PMAC to start off SEC play. But Arkansas has been in a free for, free for fall, free for, free for fall. That's not how you say that. That's not, that's not the, I am so perplexed by what I'm seeing from the LSU men's basketball team. I am unable to put together words properly on the air. But you only score 40 points. The LSU basketball team, not intramural squad, not a rec ball team. This is a legitimate SEC team, allegedly. Scored 40 points last night. 40 points is all they scored. What? For real? I didn't even know that was still possible. There's high school girls basketball teams right now in this area that can score more than 40 points in a game. For real. I'm talking class B, class C schools. That have a rotation of a total of eight players can score more than 40 points. This is what they're doing? 
Woof. It's embarrassing. I'm not an LSU grad. I'm not an LSU fan. I've told you that over and over again. But last night was an absolute embarrassment. Remember, this team started off 11-1 in non-conference play. Won their first SEC game against Arkansas. When everything went wrong for Arkansas that night and everything went right for LSU. And since then, since then, they've lost seven straight games. Seven. You're not playing Kansas City, Illinois State, UNO, Walford, UT Arlington, or North Carolina Central anymore. You're playing the SEC. And the team is getting worse as the season progresses, by the way. Look at the look at the box scores. They beat Arkansas 60 to 57. Hey, that's a dub, right? Let's get excited. By the way, that was on December 28th. The LSU men's basketball team, it is January 25th, has not won a game in 2023. The new year has arrived, and the LSU men's basketball team has forgotten how to play. They score 71 points against Kentucky, which was a loss. 56 points against A&M. 56 points against Florida. 66 points against Alabama, which was great, but they gave up 106. They only scored 49 points against Auburn. 56 against Tennessee, and now 40 against Arkansas with a 60-40 to loss last night on the road at Bud Walton Arena. This is a team that can't score over 60 points. In SEC play, they have exceeded 60 points twice. That's it. Twice. That's it. It is 2023. Modern college basketball. And the LSU men's basketball team can't eclipse 60 points in a game the worst offensive performance of the year they didn't have a single player scoring double digits not not not, not one arkansas punched them in the mouth took their lunch money mad made jokes about their mama and then just cruised to a 20-point victory. It was 38-14 to 14 at the break. 38-14? to 14. And credit Matt McMahon, he said something to his team at halftime because they came out in the second half lighting it up. They found their stroke. They found their shot. It was it was impressive. You're like, hey, they're, they are actually playing like a competent team. But they dug themselves such a hole that Arkansas was able to absorb their blows and say, okay, that's the best you got? Great. We're still beating you by 20. Like LSU outscored them by four points in the second half and still lost by 20 Not a single player in double digits. 
not one. The closest was K.J. Williams, who had nine and 11 rebounds. Adam Miller, who needs to take six shots to make one three-pointer. That's not a good percentage, by the way, in case you were wondering while you were commuting to work or school this morning. Needing six to get one, not great. He had nine points as well. They shot 12% in the first half. They were 12% from the field in the first half. Now, in the second half, they shot 37%, so that's something. But for the game, they only shot 25.93%. There are teams out there right now that would have to struggle to miss that many shots on purpose. This team is an awful shooting team. Mid-major roster, taking over a program that was a hot mess. But this this team, as it's constructed, can't shoot the basketball. And they're getting worse as they keep facing competition in the SEC where they have guys who play defense. And if the other team has one guy that is committed to playing defense, it throws everything off for LSU. Everything off. They have no idea how to adjust. They have no idea how to get back on track. And then you look at their schedule. They have the Big 12 SEC Challenge on Saturday at the PMAC. I would not expect the crowd to be very good for that. They're 12-8. and eight. They've lost seven straight. One and seven in SEC play. So where are they going to turn it around? Missouri's pretty good. They're at Missouri next week. Then they're at home versus Alabama. Oh, then at Mississippi State, there. Oh, 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 oh! You could possibly get a win in Starkville on February the eighth. They could go an entire month of the calendar without a win. Without a win, an entire month without a W. Woof, 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 woof. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk New Orleans Pelicans basketball. They showed great heart and effort late and then still didn't get the job done against the best team in the Western Conference. We'll talk about that next here on RP3 and Company. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. While the LSU Tigers were getting curb stomped by the Arkansas Razorbacks up in Fayetteville, the New Orleans Pelicans tried their best not to be embarrassed at home inside the Smoothie King Center as they welcomed in the best team in the Western Conference with the two-time reigning MVP in tow. 
and it was not a pretty affair until the fourth. <coughs> Excuse me. They rallied and made a game of it. Once again, no B.I., no Zion. And they're short-staffed, right? Undermanned. And they did something great. They showed a lot of heart, a lot of fight for Willie Green. As the Pelicans were able to erase a 19-point deficit to actually take the lead in the final minute. Actually, less than the final minute. What, 20 seconds to go? They're up. But Denver then comes down, makes their shot, goes ahead 98-9 to 98. And, of course, the go-ahead bucket was by the two-time MVP. Jose Alvarado, though, scores 12 points in the fourth quarter to help lead the rally, but Pelicans still fall 99-98. to Jokic is really, 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 really good. I mean, I, he's a two-time league MVP, but yet I don't think we talk about him enough, right? When you automatically have the debates of who's the best player in the NBA, no one ever brings him up at first, even though he's won the MVP MVP back-to-back years. Great defensive player, does the dirty work, scores, has multiple parts to his game. But Denver did everything they could to try to give this game away. Jamal Murray had some terrible turnovers, especially late in this game. And that opened up the door for the Pels. And once again, no Zion, no B.I., but Herb Jones was back in the lineup. He had a bit of a miscue there late. C.J. McCollum, 9 of 22. Eh. And they just fall short. And it was great effort, great heart. I'm not going to take anything away there. The other team had better players. And in the NBA, you know what happens? The team with the better players usually wins the game. Denver had their face of the franchise their two-time league MVP in the game, and he made the winning bucket. The Pelicans were out there with Jackson Hayes, Trey Murphy III, Larry Nance Jr., Devontae Graham in the game. Advantage, Denver. That's the problem for the Pelicans. Willie Green's a very good coach. Willie Green knows how to coach up his guys. Who's the closer for New Orleans? They don't really have one. And I would argue, even with Zion and B.I., they haven't figured out who that guy is as well. And that's something that's going to have to be figured out. Because right now, as the Pelicans are constructed, they have depth. They have guys that can do versatile amount of things. And they have two all-stars that are supposed to be coming back. We got reports yesterday that Brandon Ingram is very, very close. Maybe even see him against the Timberwolves this week. So they're going to start rolling out one all-star. That's great. The other report is Zion Williamson 
he's making progress, but he won't be reevaluated for what, two more weeks? There you go. They're going to have to figure out the chemistry on the court when both of those guys are on the floor. So they're going to have to figure that out whenever they both come back, if they stay healthy. I like C.J. McCollum a lot. He's a good veteran presence. He has been a godsend for this team. This team totally changed after they made the McCollum trade last year. But C.J. ain't the guy to make the shot late. He's not that guy. They don't have anyone on the roster that is the closer. And that's my concern about the Pels. Even if they figure out the on-court chemistry once they get a healthy roster, and that's a big what-if, knock on wood, that they can all get healthy together, and you can have Valachunas, B.I., Zion, C.J. McCollum, and Herb Jones on the floor at the same time. Let's say they figure that out. Who's the closer? Who's the guy that you look to and say, take care of it? Portland for years, it's been Dame. Lakers, it's LeBron. Boston, it's Jason Tatum. Or Jalen Brown, they have two guys. Miami, it's Jimmy Butler. Dallas, it's well, <laughs> Luka. The Pelicans have two all-stars. Are either one of them the closer? Are either one of them the closer? And that's something we all have to ask ourselves because I don't know if they have figured that out yet. They have talent. They have depth. If they can figure out the chemistry on the court, great. Who's going to be the guy that's going to take the shot when the game is on the line? Who's that guy? My man Dawson, he's got something to say. I see him. His chair's moving, seat's moving a little bit. He's ready to jump into this Pelly's conversation. Do the Pelicans have a closer as it stands right now? Not really, but for me, it's more of a situation where they need to look for the right play, not the right guy in those situations. Because last night, I mean, Billy's wide open. Mm. He's underneath the hoop, and, and Herb goes to McCullum because that's who the play's designed for, but... Sometimes you just have to go off script a little bit, and that's what I feel like they just they always want to go with this, the called play, and sometimes you got to be a little bit more creative than that. Do you also believe they have a guy that takes over late in games? Or has that been established yet? Because I don't feel like – I feel like they have guys that have the potential to be like, I'm the guy. Give it to me. I will take care of it. I think they have those guys. I just don't know if that role has been established because, as you point out – they tend to go by the scripted play that Willie draws up. That doesn't always involve that guy. So do you believe they have that guy on the roster? Yeah, I think Ingram and McCollum could both be the guy. And then Zion, it's a little bit different because he's not going to be the guy to take the outside shot, but you can run plays through him. I just think part of it right now is CJ probably feels that pressure to carry while those guys are out. So I, I would agree with that. Part of it. I would agree with that. But I think also when you bring Ingram back and now the defense has to worry about two guys at one time instead of just knowing that CJ's got to force up a shot, I think that can open things up. But like we've said, this team, they haven't been together. We haven't seen the full group, and that's it's been like that for five years now, though. It's not like the Pelicans have ever yeah. had their full complement of weapons. So That's been that's been the that's why I, I jokingly mention is this team's, you know, franchise snake bidden. 
because it's always somebody that's injured. Always. And I don't care how good of coaching you have or how good the players are. If you're constantly dealing with one of your key pieces, a starter that's missing time, it impacts your team. It just does. It just does. Look, guys are going to miss time. They're going to miss a few games here and there, especially in the modern NBA where guys will be taking rest constantly now. Not like what it was when I was growing up when they never took a game off. They'll do that now, right? And that's okay, and that's fair, but the Pelicans have too many core guys, as you mentioned, over the last five years that miss way too much time. Way too much time. And you got to figure that out because what's going to happen in late-game scenarios, just like what happened last night, when you have B.I., Zion, and C.J. on the floor, are they going to go to the guy that's open? Or are they going to go to the scripted play? Who do they trust? They haven't played together. Don't forget, C.J., has only played a few games with Zion as well because Zion didn't play at all last year. CJ knows how to be familiar with B.I. because they played in the second half of the season last year together. And some of these other guys, he has more playing experience with Jose Alvarado than he does with Zion. That's the reality. They're going to have to figure that out, and it's not going to be as easy as everyone wants it to be or hopes it would be. I still like this team, and they showed a lot of heart and a lot of fight last night. I like that. But it was a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity. And the losses keep piling up for the Pels now. we got to take a timeout. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, the foodie poll question of the week will be unveiled. It's the final one for our girl, Hannah Five Names, the producer extraordinaire who's moving on to a new role here with our company. Proud of her. So we're going out with a bang. What are the worst things Hannah Five Names likes to eat? That's the foodie poll question. We will talk about it coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. It's like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The foodie poll question of the week has become a weekly staple here of RP3 and company. And really, it was born out of conversations had on the air just on a random Wednesday between yours truly and the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. So it only seems fitting that her final week here as the producer of RP3 and company and footnotes, that we would make the final foodie poll question of the week involving her. We're going to keep it going. She's already told me we have to. We have no choice. That would involve Miss Hannah Five Names. So, what's the most ridiculous thing Five Names eats? Because we've had plenty of awesome conversations (laughs) about this over the course of the last year and some change. 
is it eating ramen noodles dry out of the bag? That's right. As if they were a potato chip. Is it eating cheese on your red beans, which she eats out of a can? Or is it something I wasn't even aware of that she brought up yesterday? Pickle popsicles. What's a pickle popsicle? It's basically just pickle juice. All right. Freeze. I love pickles. Mm -hmm. I had myself a pickle sandwich last night as a snack. Little white bread, mayonnaise, pickles, black pepper. Done. So, I love pickles. I've never went so hard in the paint for pickles that I decided to freeze said pickle juice and then eat iced pickle juice later. Well, then you, you don't love it as I do. Like, I love pickles. Like... I had Secret Sister in high school, and one of the people that I had Secret Sister one year actually got me the jar that had Hannah's pickles on it with little pickle stickers all around it. And it's one of those where you can, like, pull up the tab, and you don't have to take your hand in the juice. The pickles, like, come at the top, and I'll juice it to the bottom. It's one of those. Nice. Do you pickle anything else? Because I had family members when I was a kid growing up that they would buy the big jars of pickles. And when they would eat them all, they would just save the pickle juice and then pickle like eggs. Just I don't put do like hard ball eggs in there and then eat the pickled eggs. No, I have one cup that I got from Cosimo, and I use that cup and I pour the pickle juice into there. So like if my stomach's starting to hurt and I know it's not like from eating too fast or anything, I'll drink some pickle juice because it helps my stomach. There we go. There we go. You're welcome. There we go. So what's the most ridiculous thing the producer extraordinaire eats? Is it dry ramen? Is it cheese on the red beans? Is it pickle popsicles? Or is it all of the above? Right now, leading the vote is all of the above. 35% of people are saying cheese on red beans, which was a very divisive topic on this show. 17% say dry ramen and 9% say pickle popsicles. Let's get to some of the comments. John Paul, the Cajun Daddy. Being the father of two college students, I know dry ramen is a thing, and you can buy pickle popsicles in any store, so cheese on red beans it is. JPK, the OD, says, If I take Hannah's cheesy red beans and rice, dress it up by adding a little meat, taco sauce, and wrap it in a tortilla, is it just a Taco Bell burrito? I mean, technically. Ralph on Twitter says, Was five names raised by Cousin Eddie? <laughs> That's a good reference. I guess those years of being around blooming onions, sizzling steaks, and shrimp on the Barbie numbs one's taste buds. Oh, I like it better than tuna helper, don't you, Clark? The gift from, of course, vacation. Yeah, let's talk about that. You worked in the service <laughs> industry at a place that gave out steak and blooming onions, which are both delicious, mm-hmm. and yet you eat what you eat. Because I am unique. I eat different you, things. You are that. And my taste buds aren't dead because I eat so many different things. So it's not like, oh, this is now going to be gross to everybody else, but it's good to me. So like, I'll sit down and I'll have a little snack of some pickles with some cream cheese. Or I've had it with pickles, cream cheese, and Takis. Or 
Spice Natural Doritos. Do you add pickles somehow to your canned red beans and rice? No. Do you now think that you should? Are you now inspired by my recommendation? I am not inspired by that because it would throw off me a little bit. But I did, in fact, yesterday with a storm, I thought it was something quick and easy. So I did have some canned red beans and rice with cheese on it last night for dinner. Of course I almost took a picture and sent it to the group chat, but I didn't. Of course you did. Of course you did. God (laughs) bless you. You are, you are, as my, my, my late father would say, Unique. That's his, his joking way of saying unique. Don on Twitter says, all of the above, all of the above, all of the above. Two questions. One, how can five names still have taste buds? Two, how is five names still alive? Bonus question. What appliance is used more, microwave for rice or toaster for Pop-Tarts? Here's the thing, Todd. She doesn't have a toaster. So I can't use a toaster. But I got a four-square-foot microwave that's ginormous. <laughs> use it all the time. Oh, my goodness. Salty Steve has chimed in, and we know we love Steve because of the saltiness. Yes. But I've now nicknamed him Sweetheart Steve. Aw. He says, everyone's palate is different. One man or woman's meat is another man's poison. In this little corner of the world, her choices are not accepted, and that worries me. I see many things people eat in Acadiana that would disgust most cultures. To each his own, enjoy your cuisine, five names, and best of luck in your new position. Aw, thanks. Steve, salty Steve, being all sweet. He was my first, uh, one of my first fans. Yeah, the first one's in the hand of Colt. That I feel like it's still going to happen, and I'm gone. But don't worry. I won't be too far away. So, I mean, I could all make a little cameo if she, I wanted to. Her office is literally down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> so, she's not. Not even changing buildings. <laughs> no, no. Not even changing buildings. Instead, I'm talking with Clint Domang. Oh, another former producer retired <laughs> off the air. It's what I do around here. Uh, you like that, producer? Great. And it's time to move them into a different role. Dawson, you've been warned. Keep these votes coming on our foodie poll question of the week. It's the final one involving Miss Hannah Five Names as the producer. What's the most ridiculous thing Five Names eats? That's our poll question of the day. And we got some good choices here. 40% of you say all of the above. 32% 32% say cheese on red beans, 16% say dry ramen, and 12% of you say pickle popsicles. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on our foodie poll question of the week. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Baseball Hall of Fame. <sighs> Scott Rowland going into the hall. I guess we'll discuss it. That'll be coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything. But you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Scott Rowland is a baseball Hall of Famer. I guess that's what the vote tells me. He cleared it yesterday. 76.3% of the ballots was cast in his sixth year of eligibility to earn enshrinement. He was a great third baseman, great defensive player, World Series champion, multiple-time All-Star, and he's now going to the Hall of Fame. Just missing out was Colorado Rockies first baseman Todd Hilton, who fell just short with 72.2% of ballots in his fifth try at election. Once again, you have to get to the minimum threshold of 75%. Along with Hilton, none of the other 27 players listed on the 2023 ballot cleared the 75% minimum for election. Players can appear on the ballot for 10 seasons after a five-year waiting period following their retirement. Roland is, is humbled by it all. Seven-time All-Star, 17-year career with the Phillies, Cardinals, Blue Jays, and Reds. Eight gold gloves are the fourth most by a third baseman. He was the NL Rookie of the Year and a member of the Cardinals when they won the 2006 World Series. So, uh, great defensive guy, All-Star, Rookie of the Year, World Series champion. But when you saw Scott Rowland play, for the 17 years that he played in the big leagues. Did you ever think to yourself, Hall of Famer? Did you ever think to yourself, this is one of the top five players in the game right now? And even if you're a diehard Cardinals fan, Scott Rowland was never in the conversation of being the best player of his generation. Not once. This is what we're doing with the Baseball Hall of Fame now. Look, I love Fred McGriff. And one of the veterans committees is putting in the crime dog. You know me. I'm a diehard Atlanta Braves fan. I'm even contemplating going to Cooperstown to see the crime dog get put in. He helps us win a World Series title. But is Fred McGriff a Hall of Famer? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what we're doing. Scott Rowland, Todd Hilton. Is Scott Rowland or Todd Hilton better than Don Mattingly or Dale Murphy? You know me. I bang the drum for Dale Murphy every single year. Guy was a multiple MVP. Dale Murphy and Don Mattingly were considered top five players of their generation. They're not in the Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland's now in the Hall of Fame. Fred McGriff's in the Hall of Fame. Todd Hilton, it appears, is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Really? Really? I just... This is this whole steroid thing. Where we don't have Barry Bonds and we don't have Roger Clemens and Rafael Palmero and these other guys in the Hall of Fame, right? Because we're going to, they're punishing them by not electing them and putting them in. Okay, great. I get it. You want to serve as judge, jury, executioner, Baseball Writers Association, Hall of Fame voters? That's your prerogative. 
I wouldn't do it, but it's your prerogative. I'd rather them not put in somebody than to put in somebody that was not really a Hall of Fame player. That's just me. But congratulations to Scott Rowland. He'll be inducted into Cooperstown this summer. That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up. Going to talk to Ron Higgins half an hour from right now from Tiger Details, all things LSU. That's on tap right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 is the game hotline coming up half an hour from right now. Ron Higgins, award-winning columnist from Tiger Details, will join us to talk all things LSU, including when do we believe Matt McMahon's team is going to win another game? Because it looks a little bleak these days for the LSU men's basketball team as they fell last night 60 to 40 60 to 40 on the road against Arkansas they shot 12% from the field in the first half 12 didn't have a single player scoring double digits not one not one they're getting worse offensively they are getting worse Their field goal percentage is dropping. They're scoring less points. This team struggles to score 60. 60. You're not going to win many games in modern college basketball if you're not scoring more than 60 points. And it's a struggle for this team to get to 60. They have now... They've lost seven in a row. Seven in a row for Matt McMahon's team. 1-7 1-7 in conference play, 12-8 and eight overall. And you look at the schedule and you go, okay, are they going to get a win in the month of January? Their last win was the 60-57 to 57 win over Arkansas to open up SEC play there at the PMAC on December 28th. They've lost every game since then. And if you look at how they're performing, with the exception of Kentucky where they scored 71 points and a loss, 56 points, 56 points, 66 points, 49 points, 56 points, 40 points. Woof. They got the SEC Big 12 Challenge on Saturday against Texas Tech inside the PMAC. Then it's at Missouri, who's pretty good. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team to open up February. So if they don't beat Texas Tech, if they don't somehow find a way to beat the Red Raiders on Saturday, they will go the month of January without winning a game. I'm being told, hold on, that's not optimal. By the way, when can they win another game? That's where we're at right now with this team. Missouri, Alabama, mm, mm, no. 
Mississippi State is awful. So is Ole Miss. What if they don't beat Mississippi State on February 8th? Texas A&M has proven to be a very good team this year. Georgia is making all the right moves right now. South Carolina on February 18th. Vandy, Ole Miss. There you go. Three games in a row. Maybe they could build up some momentum before getting into the conference tournament, but they still have to play Missouri and Florida before the SEC tournament as well. Whew. Things are not looking great for Matt McMahon's team. Once again, mid-major roster taking over a mess of a program, but they just don't have the talent to compete with the other teams. They just don't. And it's clear as day. And they're getting worse offensively as the season progresses. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Jamie to the show. Jamie, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Oh, good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing tremendous. I'm talking to you, bud. And that makes it a good day for me, too. I wanted to go in on the uh, poll question of the day. But before I do, let me just kind of say one thing about the Tigers basketball team. And it's this, you know, everybody preaches they have a, a mid-major squad and, you know, they're not going to, they, they need to get better because they, they're working with what they got and their coaches has a plan in place and it's all part of the process. And those are all true statements. So the answer to the question that everybody's asking is when are they going to win another game? When they get those recruits for next season in and they start to gel and they start to get those better players. Because you can't compete in the SEC with a mid-major roster. You just can't do it. So best of luck to the Tigers next season. Their season's done. Um, and I'm season's not saying that to be done. I'm just saying it as I see it. Jamie says season's then, done. Well, I mean, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. They're, it they're is. on what, nine-game skid now, eight-game skid? Uh, only seven, bud, only seven. Okay, it's about to be an eight- or nine-game skid. So, I mean, their season's done. It is what it is. Kind of like my Arkansas Razorbacks in football. Our season's done. I mean, uh, wait a minute. So, I wanted to go in on the poll question of the day, and I guess this is the last opportunity I get to give Miss Five Names uh, some some guff about her, her food choices. So, uh, I, I'm going to take the high road. I'm not going to go down the list. I'll just say this. Microwave, uh, rice does not go in the microwave. Cheese does not go on red beans. Pickle pops are okay. I used to eat those all the time when I was a cross-country and track runner, but they're only okay to prevent cramps. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't believe you don't have a toaster. Like, did I hear that right? <laughs> she, does not, she does not have a toaster. I've told her for as a wedding gift – we're going to buy her two gifts, something that's on her registry, and then we're going to buy her a toaster. So that's happening. Do you at least have a crock pot in this five names? She does. She says yes. She has two of them. So why aren't you cooking really? the red beans in the crock pot? So, thank you. I was just about to ask, why are you not cooking better things? Why aren't you cooking better things? You have two crock pots. Yeah, I have like a couple's crock pot. It's like for like two people, and then I have a bigger crock pot. But I, I already told you, I'm still waiting on my lessons to make red beans and rice, uh, etouffee, and 
Something else. Gumbo. As, as much time as you spend on TikTok, I'm pretty for certain you can find some how to cook things tutorials on YouTube or TikTok. Do you have an air fryer, Miss Five Names? Yes. I have an air fryer. I got the cool pot that you would make the red beans in. Um, I got a George Foreman. I got two crock pots. Um, but I don't got a toaster. It's what appliance has, we didn't think to get. She has two crock pots. She has an air fryer. She has everything she needs to make good meals. Yeah. <laughs> I make good meals most of the time. I just don't know how to make the Cajun good meals. Because I was never taught. Because my family's not Cajun. I have a northerner and my mom's from the West Bank. Like I, I, no assistance, I, and I, I agree with what Mr. Mr. Salty Steve said earlier. You know, everybody's entitled to their own cuisine, and that's right. There's some stuff that Cajuns eat that are, I mean, French eat snails. Okay, so I mean, I guess we can't. But you have the ability to make better things. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right, with five names. You know, I love you. I wish you nothing but the best. And I'm still going to annoy you on Facebook. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks, Jamie. You have a great day teaching the lovely young minds. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm still so, waiting on you sending your mom and Miss Tina over to my house and teach me how to make good red beans. All right. And gumbo and etouffee and anything else Cajun that I don't know how to make that y'all think I'm special for not knowing how to make it yet. Not a problem. We will help you out. Hannah's out right now. Bye. <laughs> uh, the poll question of the day that Jamie brought up, of course, we asked you. It's our foodie poll question of the week. And that's what our poll question of the day is on every Wednesday. What is the most ridiculous thing Five Names eats? Is it dry ramen? Is it cheese on red beans? Is it pickle popsicles or is it all of the above? Still winning the vote is all of the above with 40%. 32% of you still say cheese on red beans. 16% says dry ramen. And 12% of you say the pickle popsicles. So you're going to miss this. Five names. You're going to miss this. Just saying. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Which is our foodie poll question of the week. LSU, they're on the struggle bus. They're driving the struggle bus. New Orleans Pelicans, meanwhile, they rally from double digits down late to take a lead against the best team in the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets. They do so without Zion, without B.I., but they still fall short. Not a great play there late as the two-time MVP scores what proves to be the game-winning bucket. 99-98 win for Denver on the road inside the Smoothie King Center. Another loss for the Pels. But you got to love the heart and fight that they showed. Also positive news coming out of New Orleans that Brandon Ingram is going to be returning to actually playing games this week. Now, he's going to be limited, but B.I., the all-star forward, will be out on the floor. Zion is making progress with the hamstring injury. We find this out yesterday, but he's going to have to be reevaluated again in another couple weeks. I don't expect to see Zion until after the All-Star break. David Griffin and the Pelicans front office 
are never going to rush the big fella back. Even if he wants to come back, they're not going to put him on the floor. Guys, it's just not. They've invested way too much money and their franchise hinges on his health. So they're going to be overly cautious with Zion like they've done ever since he got banged up in his first summer league after he got drafted. That's just what's going to happen with the Pels. Can this team come together? Can this team stay afloat long enough? Once again, the Western Conference is wide open. I do think Denver and probably Memphis are the cream of the crop, and then there's everyone else as it stands right now. But it's still early, right? It's only January 25th. So we'll see if the Pels, once they get B.I. back, if they can start turning things around here. Love the fight. Love the fact that they rallied. Jose Alvarado was a man possessed there in the fourth quarter. It was great. They still didn't get the job done. And that's where we're at with this franchise, by the way. Lots of potential. Love, we see things. They're still not quite where they need to be. And we keep saying this seemingly every season, don't we? Hopefully this season turns around. Maybe they can make a run in the playoffs. Maybe they can get to the Western Conference semifinals or even the Western Conference finals. That would be a great step in the direction they need to go to actually be a competent, consistent team in the NBA. Because right now, they're not that. They're not that. They have potential, but they're not consistent. And they don't execute consistently. Not yet. And while LSU gets housed by Arkansas and the Pelicans fall short against the best team in the Western Conference, the Baseball Writers Association of America has elected Scott Rowland into the Hall of Fame. Okay. There's other guys that have far better resumes. Everyone hates Alex Rodriguez, and he was a steroid user. Guy was the best player of his generation. There you go. And my thing with the Hall of Fame has always been this. It doesn't say the Hall of Good Guys. It doesn't say the Hall of Guys that did things the right way. It doesn't say the hall of good teammates. It doesn't say the hall of players that were nice to media members, does it? It's the hall of fame. Who's more famous in baseball terms in the last 30 years than Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens? They were great players. Yeah, they were cheaters. They were still great players. Doesn't bother me. Really doesn't. Because you can't prove that not everyone else during their era wasn't juicing as well. Until you show me that no one else was doing anything, how can you possibly say those guys can't get in? Or as Salty Steve says, why can't Rose, Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, McGuire get in? Players take pain relievers and many other drugs to get on the field. They all affect performance. That's why in horse racing, they're called performance-enhancing drugs. Baseball riders, get off your high horses and let real Hall of Famers in the hall. It's a good point. It's a good point. We got to take a timeout. When we return, you know what? We'll keep taking your phone calls. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. 
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports Sports station. station. Three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 is the game hotline, and that's where we're going to head out to right now. As Martin is patiently waiting to join us on this chilly Wednesday morning, Martin. Good morning, brother. What's on your mind? Good morning, Mister Lil Dupo. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I get to talk to you, the Vice Chancellor of Erath, Louisiana. Hey, gotta put a smile on anybody's face, all right? I'm just a ray of sunshine every day, right? Yeah, that that you are. That that's how that's what we'll go with. Yes, you're a ray of sunshine. But I feel like you have something smart alecky to say on the radio. What you got? So it's a good thing that Miss Bob Names didn't go to become a whole math teacher, right? I can just about imagine her teaching the students. Okay, you take this can opener, you open this can of red beans, and you put the cheese on the top of it, and boom, you have your full-course meal. Could you just imagine? Now, she is training the new the, the new producer, right? What's his name, Dawson? Yes, Dawson. You, you talk to him on the phone. Okay, make sure that you keep your eyes at all times on this five names because she can be sneaky, you know, because she's probably trying to convince him that, Sure does. It, it sure does feel like it's not going to happen while he's alive. Because the, the, here's my point why he, 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 he needs to go into the Hall of Fame. Okay? They're not putting him in because he bet on baseball, right? Now, look at the sports world we're in. Betting is everywhere. It's not just in horse racing. It's in every sport. You know? It, it's in baseball. It's in everything. You can bet on anything. You know, I can bet if I put on my, my left sock or not and make money off it, you know? I mean, it's time that we get Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, he was one of the greatest baseball players ever alive. You know, but... Martin, Martin, we're going to try to do that. If you promise to, next time you call, don't call while you're inside a canning manufacturing plant. Because I don't know what that noise is in the background. What are you doing? What are you doing while you're calling? Delivery driver, buddy. <laughs> I can tell you're on the road, you maniac. Have a great day, bud. 
Yes, sir. Have a good one, buddy. I was like, what is that? Is he on the road? Are they, it, it, it sounded like in the cartoon when you're in a manufacturing plant and they're just pulling down the lever constantly. Oh, Martin. God bless him. Yeah, look, Pete Rose is not getting into the Hall of Fame while he's alive. Not happening. Pete is his own worst enemy. He makes things worse. He's made things worse over the years. And that's just how he's built. And look, Martin brings up a good point, though. Our sports culture and our society in general has changed in the last 30-plus years. Sports betting is everywhere. 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 Now, did Pete break the rules? Yes. And did Pete do that while he was a manager? Yes. But my argument is... He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame as a player. I don't care what he did as a manager. And once again, you've heard me say this before, and a lot of people don't like hearing this. Cheating is part of baseball. It's always been part of baseball. From the beginning of the game, cheating is part of the game. Whether you're stealing signs, whether you're trying to find an advantage with drugs, it's always been there. Always. I see it at Little League games. I've seen parents flash their lights from their cars behind the fence line of a Little League game to try to give their team and their child an advantage. It is from there all the way up. It doesn't make it right. I wouldn't cheat. I wouldn't take performing enhancing drugs. I have my own moral compass and my own moral code that I live by. But this is part of the game. And here's the deal with the steroid era, which encompasses Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, right? Alex Rodriguez, Rafael Palmeiro. You can't pick and choose here. David Ortiz was busted. Remember? Now, what did David Ortiz do? He owned it. Boom. He got elected last year, didn't he? So why is it okay for David Ortiz to get busted for PEDs while it's not okay for others? You see, that's that's the problem we have here. We also have a problem with Bud Selig, the man who profited and oversaw baseball during the steroid era, who capitalized and used the Mark McGuire-Sammy Sosa home run chase to get people back to baseball after the dummy strike of 94. They used that. They turned a blind eye. And Bud Bud, Bud Selig did it. They elected him to the Hall of Fame. So, Bud Selig is in, even though he oversaw baseball during the steroid era and turned a blind eye to it. He's into the Hall of Fame. He's in Cooperstown. David Ortiz, who got busted for PEDs, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yet Barry Bonds isn't because Barry Bonds was a jerk. Roger Clemens isn't because Roger Clemens was a jerk. Okay. Ty Cobb was a world-class jerk. Who cares? I I don't care. I don't care that Barry Bonds may have hurt a media member's feelings because he was rude to them. I don't care. Was Barry Bonds 
one of the most dominant players you've ever seen play the game of baseball? Yes. Done. It's it's really that simple. Was Roger Clemens one of the best pitchers you've ever seen in your life? He sure was. There you go. It's, It's that simple. It's that simple. But the Baseball Writers Association of America has decided to be the morality police when it comes to this thing. And it's embarrassed the hall. It is proved that the voting process is an absolute sham. And we're going to look back and go, what were y'all doing? That's what's going to happen. History will not look kind on this process of individuals deciding to be the morality police for the Baseball Hall of Fame. It will not be looked at in a positive manner, I'm telling you. It just isn't. Got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk LSU men's basketball How can they turn it around? What can Matt McMahon do? Ron Higgins from Tiger Details will join us to discuss that. That's coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Ron, good morning, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm just sitting here thinking... The things I'd rather do than watch LSU's men's basketball team. <laughs> and we're off and running. Uh, let me ask you this. When was the last time you saw an LSU men's basketball team shoot as poorly as this one does? I don't think I've ever seen a team shoot this bad. Not, not even not even Johnny Jones' last team that, that you know, lost 15 games in a row at school record. I've never seen I've never seen a basketball team. Honestly, I'm trying to figure out how how a collection of shooters this bad got together, and they were recruited and actually given a scholarship. I mean, this 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 is this is a, a team of of bad bad shooters. They can't make open shots. They can't make contested shots. I think somebody needs to even track their shots in warm ups and nice guarding them. Uh, they struggled to score like 55 points a game, Ron. And, and it's, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's awful. I, I'm, I'm so tired of watching this garbage. I really am. You know, and, and I, I, again, I, I understand that that big man, that the situation is in and, and had to put a team together that quick and, uh, you know, found people who I guess wanted scholarships and wanted to play, uh, but God, this is a bad team. They do, just, they maybe have one or two guys that would be bench players on uh, on other SEC school rosters. Maybe, maybe. You're right, bench players. Yeah, I said bench. I mean, I've just never seen a collection of team. Uh, they can't shoot. Just can't shoot. Uh, you know, it's it just. It's even, it's even more amazing 
that the guy who's the worst shooter on the team decides to send uh, get on social media after LSU beats Arkansas before, I mean uh, in Jan in, in in December, and you know talks about you know just basically go online and talking smack online, you know back in December and Arkansas kind of puts the quote away like. You know, I want to tell Arkansas, really, you, you don't need that court to get motivated to beat LSU. You don't, you don't need it. You know, all you got to do is show up and play. Uh, but Arkansas was extra motivated because Adam Miller said something stupid. Uh, well, and plus they lost the first game. And Arkansas is trying to get their season back on track. They've had some injured players. And they were at home. And they felt like they gave a game away in the first meeting between them and LSU. And I expected – a great effort from the Razorbacks. I did not expect to see a team in LSU shoot 12% from the field in the first half, Ron. Like, that is stunningly bad. I missed 22, 25 shots. It's hard to do that anywhere. I mean, anywhere. You know, playground. Uh, anywhere. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I guess I'm, I'm just so... You know, where where does a win come in, Ron? Let, let's let, let's look ahead because obviously they're bad. They their uh, their shooting percentage has gone down as SEC play has progressed. When I look at the schedule, if they don't beat Texas Tech on Saturday, they're going to go the month of January without a win, the entire month. Right. Yeah. Then Missouri is a good basketball team. Alabama looks like a Final Four team. Mississippi State is bad, so I guess their real first opportunity to get a win is going to be February 8th. But then after that, it's A&M again. They're a far more physical team than LSU, and they, they look to be pretty well under Buzz Williams. Georgia's improved. And then they got that stretch of South Carolina, Vandy, Ole Miss. But then it's Missouri and Florida. I mean, how many wins do you see left on the schedule? Or how many coin flip games do you see left on the schedule, rather? Let's start there. Don't even talk about wins. How many coin flip games are left? Uh, it's Mississippi State, South Carolina. It's really bad. Ole Miss, Ole Miss. You know, and and, and Vandy because Vandy they play Vandy here in Baton Rouge. Was if it was Vandy in Nashville, I'd say no. Uh, Missouri here, maybe. Uh, yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I can't really see anything. I mean, I, I for a team that can't shoot. Really can't do anything well. I mean, the 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 point discrepancy of, of points off of turnovers is, is astounding. Uh, you know, I, I just I just started counting it. You know, and is this like I don't know, it's a hundred and twenty to something? It's, it's like it's like a hundred points difference. It's just I really I mean I'm almost to the point where I, I don't even want to talk to Matt McMahon after games anymore. I, I just don't. I feel so sorry for him. How many different ways can he, you know, he put that Mr. Rogers spin on it that, you know, all I know is all we know how to do is, uh, you know, is just go back to work. Well, you, I would just, I'm, I wouldn't even work on offense. I would just sit there and let my guys shoot shots for like two hours till their arms fell off to see if they can make a shot before designing a play to, to, to open one up. Um, yeah, they're they're. they're, they're just, I'm so tired of watching garbage. I mean, I mean, 
not, I'm not have to make the decision if if I, if I want to even drive across town to watch it. It's that bad. I mean, it's just it's it's like a waste of my time. Uh, it's a waste of ticket holders' time. Why why should they go to arena and watch that? Out of out of because it, just out of blind low support for LSU. Come on now. I mean, look, every LSU fan knows this. They know that women's basketball is still killing people, and they will continue to kill people. Uh, and baseball is just around the corner. So the only way they will get, they get people to go to the game is to give giveaways to students, free T-shirts or whatever, because nobody really, really wants to volunteer to go watch this team. They, they just don't. Let's talk about the women because they had their hands full last week with Arkansas. They were able to gut out a win. They get tested, which I think is perfect for Kim Mulkey's team, especially the way she coaches. Uh, and then they go on the road and they get a sound, convincing victory against a pretty good Alabama team that's a 15-win ball club. How much do you think that win against Arkansas, being tested like that, is going to help this team down the stretch? Well, it helps to get tested all the time. You know, and, 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 and to – you know, uh, a game where some of their players didn't play that great, but still they they find ways to win. But you know, they get they get they got they got some a little bit of depth off the bench, uh, and they've weathered some stuff without Angel, uh, you know, without Angel uh, Reese, who's that gotten some foul trouble at times. Uh, I think teams are just starting to. Uh, Test her patience. I think they're going to continue to beat the hell out of her, physically try to beat her up. Uh, and it's going to be up to her whether she can handle that down the stretch. I think teams, I think teams think that's her weakness. If we, if we just keep beating on her physically, that she's going to crack and get mad and do something, uh, and you know, get needless fouls and and uh, you know, then we we can get her on the bench to a different team, which is which is true. Uh, but it's going to be up to her to kind of handle uh, the physical play. Uh, I really like her. I, I like her nasty. She has a nasty streak, too. I really like that. Uh, I wouldn't say LSU's men's team had a nasty streak like her. Uh, you know, last week against Arkansas, uh, blocking a shot while she was holding her other shoe in her hand and it fell off. Uh, such, a, that was, such a good move. <laughs> it, was a great, it was a great play. And then uh, – um, she said something to the girl she blocked the shot on her or just looked at her. And of course, I mean, referees are, 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 are they, they, college officiating is just so lightweight. I mean, you look at somebody the wrong way, they're going to call a call a technical foul for taunting. Uh, man, this, sometimes you got to let them play. Uh, I thought, I thought it was kind of weak, but I think that's, that, that's probably the secret to stopping her is to get her, get her angry to where she commits fouls and gets in foul trouble and sits on the bench. So, I mean, I'm sure it's something that that Kim Mulkey has talked to her about or will continue to talk to her about saying, listen, people are going to come after you. If you don't already, don't already know this, they're going to, the only way they can stop you is to not have you in the game because they're not going to stop you while you're in the game. The only way they can stop you is, is with you, put you on the bench. And so you have to remember that when these people start pounding on you. But I got to ask you a question. That's our final question of this segment because today is the final foodie poll question of the week involving Hannah Five Names as she's moving on to a new role here with the company, bit of a promotion. So 
Our final foodie poll question of the week is all about the ridiculous things that she eats. So what is the most ridiculous thing Five Names eats? Is it eating ramen noodles dry? Is it putting cheese on your red beans? Is it pickle popsicles or is it all of the above, Ron? I'll, I'll have to say all of the above. <laughs> hey, you're a former athlete. Those pickle popsicles help with cramps, though, right? Uh, yeah, all of the above. But you know, we discussed cheese on red beans before. And, you know, I mean, I'm just now recovering from the nausea of that, uh, you know, after I was mentioned a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I, I would, I'd say all three. I'm probably there's, I'm probably there's some you know, new menu items in her in her head she hasn't concocted yet on the horizon, things that nobody on this earth can think of to put together. Like my like my my late father-in-law, who he had always opened the lineup. He he'd always say, you know what's good. And then when he said, you know what's good, you know what was coming next was not very good. Like, you know what was good? You know, when you uh, you know, when you put up uh, Doritos and your cornflakes, it makes them, it keeps them crunchier. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, you're gonna so, you're, you're gonna miss her though, Ron. You're gonna miss her. I, I had a five name is, is she needs a T-shirt that says, you know what's good? Question mark. <laughs> There you go. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> You're welcome, Hannah. You know, we never so, did our, our our show where I hosted it and you produced it, but that never happened. Well, one, you know, of course, right, but she moving on to become president of the company. Is that it, basically? Uh, she, she, she's on her way. Yeah. yeah. I'll get there. Yeah. See, she, 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 she's determined. <laughs> she, she'll be my boss sooner than later. Yes, Ron, that's what, that's what we're driving at, bud. She'll kill everybody off if she just invites them to lunch and and, and, and creates a menu. I know that. <laughs> Thank you, Mad Dog. All right. We'll see you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Pellies lose again last night, but showed great heart and effort down the stretch to make it a close game. But they fall to the best team in the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets, 99-98, as the two-time MVP makes the go-ahead shot. Did get some optimism involving Brandon Ingram. We expect him to come back and start playing again this week. That's great news. Zion Williamson making progress with the hammy injury. He won't be back, at least probably won't be back, re- be reevaluated again in a couple weeks. So you know what that means? Just going to give you this nugget and just let it marinate in the old brain. Percentage of season played for Zion Williamson in his career. His rookie year, he only played 33% of the games. That's it. His second year, 
which gave everyone hope, 85% was an all-star that year. Yes! A guy who missed some time in high school, a guy that missed time in college, and his NBA career started off with an injury during summer ball in Vegas, and he only played 33% of his games as a rookie. That second year, you're like 85%. Let's go. Let's go. We'll bow, we'll bow down. We'll bow down. No games, third year. And now what that means, as it stands right now, with him missing an additional two weeks, he's missed 49% of this year's games, which means at most, at most, he's only going to be playing in 51% of the games. On his career, Zion has spent 59.6% of the games on the bench. Injured. That's a lot of money for a dude that doesn't play. I know he's special. I get it. We haven't seen anybody like him. His game is like, you know, made in a lab. The body type and everything that he does. And when he plays, he is special. And we saw him ascend to another level before the injury this year. He went from... Wide-eyed, big smiling kid to an actual man, right? He was taking over games. But the guy can't stay healthy. The face of the Pelicans franchise, with all the money that's tied up in his contract, misses half of his games. How can you build a championship contender year in, year out when your best player, where the face of your franchise, is not playing in half the games. Show me an NBA franchise that has been able to be a title contender year in, year out that has done that. I'll wait. There isn't one. If the Pels want to ascend, they are going to have to have Zion be healthy. And there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to make that happen. None, because they haven't proven that he can be healthy yet. And we're wrapping up year four here, and he's missed half his career. He's essentially missed two years. Think about that. Two years worth of games Zion Williamson hasn't played in. That's a wolf. Hour number two has come to a close. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Vinny Iyer. From the Sporting News NFL reporter, he's going to help us preview Championship Weekend. That's coming up next right here on RP3 and Company. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Conference championships are this weekend in the National Football League, and we're going to have two really, really good ones. I expect these to be great games, great matchups here. NFC, San Francisco 49ers, maybe the best defense in the league are left in the playoffs. 
They can run the football. They got guys on the outside, and they got a seventh-round draft pick out there leading them at quarterback. Philadelphia, they made a statement against the Giants. Their one went away from a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts at quarterback. They got weapons, too, and they got a salty defense as well. In the AFC, a rematch of last year's championship game, which was a thriller between the Bengals and Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and, of course, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. To break it all down for us, as a man who covers the National Football League for the Sporting News, our friend Vinny Iyer joins us now. Vinny, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you making the time. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about the AFC Championship game first and foremost. Does Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain automatically make the Bengals the favorite, in your opinion, to win that game and move on? Well, I'm looking at the betting line, and it started out as the Chiefs was like favorite and went to pick them, and now it's firmly in the side of the Bengals. So there's something that someone knows about that injury and how it hampers him because you would never see that, that the Chiefs in a playoff game, especially in the Patrick Mahomes era, would be uh, just underdogs in any situation. So there's something concerning there. And, look, that slight difference might be the difference because it's a game where the quarterbacks need to be on point. A few plays here where he can't extend plays with his legs. And on a third down, that's going to be really hard. So when you look at that, uh, that's going to be the challenge is can they – do things well on schedule with him in the pocket. They're not going to get those improvised plays. Well, Joe Burrow, we know, he's a pretty methodical guy. He's going to get rid of the ball quickly. He doesn't rely too much on his athleticism. He will run when the opportunity presents itself, but he's mainly a pocket passer and doesn't need those wow plays. And I think that's kind of why we forget about Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, right? Because he doesn't have those wow plays. But in terms of the methodical working in the pocket, reading through the progressions, not needing those off-script plays. I think Mahomes is not as good at that as Joe Burrow is, quite frankly. So in a game like that, that really helps the Bengals. Is it time for us to start having a conversation about Joe Burrow being the best quarterback in the NFL? Are we there yet or no? I, I think so, yep. When you look at it, I mean, if he can win this game, he would be undefeated head-to-head against Mahomes. And at this point, it'd be a no-brainer. I think if he gets there, I think the big thing is he has to have that ring because Mahomes already has that ring. So two trips and a ring, that would match what Mahomes does. He'd beat Mahomes head-to-head. He'd beat Josh Allen head-to-head. So, yes, I think that conversation would be over if he does that. Vinny, when I look at this matchup, I also know that the Bengals aren't going to be scared or intimidated because not only have they beaten Mahomes and the Chiefs head-to-head, but they won the championship game last year in Arrowhead and came from behind to do it. So they're not going to be intimidated like most teams would be when you step into Kansas City's home stadium, correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're used to being on the road. I mean, uh, the funny thing is Mahomes has never played a – a road playoff game ever, but Joe Burrow, I think, has lived on the road other than a couple games against the Raiders and the Ravens. I mean, he's used to it. He beat the number one seed last year. He beat the Chiefs last year. So I think when you look at it, it's uh, very uh, kind of just mind-boggling how they've been so good on the road all the time, and they're just not afraid. They win in big spots all the time, so that's a good thing to go. How surprised were you that the offensive line of Cincinnati with three backups in there played as well as they did against Buffalo? Well, 
I've talked to a few people about this, but I think actually Jackson Carmen should be a starter um, in this league. I mean, with his just, I, I think when you look go back to Clemson, when you go to Clemson and it's his pass blocking in front of uh, Trevor Lawrence, I thought this kid was going to be a top tackle in this league. So it doesn't surprise me that he's there. I mean, Jonah Williams. He's a good player, but he did allow the most sacks in the league. I mean, he was tied for, I think, 14 sacks. So uh, that's a replacement left tackle. I thought Carmen played really well. Then I also thought they upgraded their run blocking with Hakeem and Adenogy back in the lineup as well as uh, Mac Sharping. So when you look at those guys in there that were backups, I think, in a way, the Bengals showed their depth by having those players really come through for them. Vinny. Who's going to be an X factor in this ball game? That's not one of the quarterbacks. Well, I think it's probably going to be uh, the extra receivers. So you're looking at Hayden Hurst and Trent Irwin and Tyler Boyd. Those type of receivers there for Cincinnati. And on the other side, you're looking at Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Tony. Who do those extra receivers? We know on both sides, Travis Kelsey, and then the. Jamar Chase and T Higgins are going to come through, but who are those other receivers that are going to come through? Last week, we know there were big contributions from Hayden Hurst and uh, my J.P. Ryan and these other targets for Joe Burrow. So really these extra targets, everyone knows Kelsey and the other receivers, but who's going to make the big play among those other guys who's going to determine this game? We're talking with Vinny Iyer, NFL reporter for the Sporting News. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. As we're looking ahead to championship weekend for the NFL, Vinny, does Kansas City have enough guys on the defensive side of the football to be able to slow down Joe Burrow enough for them to be able to win this game? I don't think so, really, because when you look at the secondary, they're young, and you saw what Joe Burrow did last week against the Bills. He picked apart some really weak corners overall. They didn't have a lot of the cornerback depth. Essentially, that cost the Bills because they didn't have the pass rush. You know, the Chiefs have actually had a pretty good pass rush. They're up there with the Eagles and getting after the quarterback. But when you look at this, I think uh, it's going to be Burrow getting the ball out quickly. That's That was a big reason why that offensive line looked good. So, when you look at that, the young corners that he can exploit uh, all over the field, he's going to find the right matchups that he likes between Chase and Higgins. And that's the biggest thing that gives the Bengals such an advantage is having two really great receivers on the outside and they can interchange and go to the right matchup whenever they need. So Chase Niggins, I think as much as the X factors might come into play, those two guys can dominate this game. It sounds like to me, you're picking the Bengals to win Sunday's game in Arrowhead to move on to their second straight Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's just a great matchup overall. I mean, all things we said that uh, Burrow has the edge right now is confident they're a good road team and, just the receivers and the defensive matchup, I think, all line up for the Bengals. Let's switch over to – before we switch over to the NFC, I want to ask you about Buffalo. Uh, they've had this great window here, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. And they uh, kind of a flame out this postseason. I know they had injuries, but since San Francisco proves you can have injuries and still move on. What ails the Buffalo Bills? Well, I think they're in a tough spot because they're going to take that big cap hit for Josh Allen going forward, so they don't have that luxury item thing that they can do, and Von Miller didn't work out anyway because he didn't get healthy and was not available for them when they needed him. So that kind of was a bust in terms of trying to go over the top with an edge rusher on their team, and really their pass rush kind of disappeared without Von Miller. So 
that's a concern that they're not going to be able to afford to splurge on those type of players. So they're really going to have to hit on the draft pretty hard here. So they just have to determine what do they need to do in the draft because some people say running back because Devin Singletary is a free agent. And you also look at upgrading the offensive line, the interior line play around the center was not very good. Let's look at maybe do they need to address wide receiver if Gabe Davis is not the consistent threat they need. And they need to look at that and also worry about Stefan Diggs' contract going forward. So there's a lot of things the Bills have to unpack here this offseason to get right here to get that window open. And really, when you look at Mahomes and Burrow, that's the thing is that now you have confidence that with the Bengals and Chiefs, they'll have that window open for Super Bowl for a long time. But you can't feel that way with Josh Allen, the way he played at the end of the, at the, end of the playoffs. And look, not to mention, he still had great stats overall, but he did lead the NFL in turnovers this year. And his coach that helped develop him into a top-tier quarterback that didn't turn over the ball a ton, left and was able to make Daniel Jones a competent starting quarterback. How much is that a concern? Yeah, that is definitely a concern. I mean, turnovers are pretty big. And the funny thing is, last year, he had the quarterback who threw the most interceptions win the Super Bowl, but... We know why he won the Super Bowl because they had Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey. So you don't get those type of defenses uh, too much to dominate. You're going to have to win with offense more of the time. And now you have to worry about Trevor Lawrence. It's a margin threat. I think Justin Herbert's going to get better. So you're just, you just can't sit on your laurels. And we just thought that, okay, Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback in this conference for a long time. Okay, did we think Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson was going to be his big rival? And then here comes Joe Burrow immediately coming at a high level. And then all of a sudden we wrote off maybe Lawrence and he's coming. And Herbert has already established himself from his rookie season. So it's not easy just to have a great quarterback and win. All right, Vinny, let's go over to the NFC. 49ers, Eagles, both have salty defenses. Both can run the football. Both have playmakers on the outside. The difference seems to be quarterback in this matchup. How do you like this game between the Eagles and the 49ers? I just think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think we haven't seen this matchup before between these two particular teams. Brock Purdy has been up for the moment. I think this offense is going to have a little bit more success, I think, running the ball and throwing in the middle of the field than the Eagles will. So the Eagles are going to have to win this game. Hurts is going to have to be patient. The linebackers can contain him in the traditional running game. So when you look at that, it's going to be about Jalen Hurts throwing the ball and for Brock Purdy not making mistakes, and it says what is going to come up bigger. So I think there's a higher degree of of pressure on Hurts to actually make the plays, while Purdy just has to work with things around him pretty effectively and get the running game going. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, uh, different styles, but I think you're going to see the Eagles try to get things done on the outside, the 49ers try to get things done on the inside. What's going to be the X factor in this ballgame, Vinny? I think, to me, the X factor is going to be those X receivers once again. I mean, there's always a good place to go, but the Juwan Jenningses and this Quez Watkins involved on the other side, they're just players that you don't expect that you can throw to. Also out of the Eagles' backfield, Kenneth Gainwell. And from the 49ers' backfield, you look at Elijah Mitchell, that if McCaffrey's a little bit banged up with the calf, Mitchell's going to have to see a pretty nice workload here. He's ran pretty well. Sometimes you think they're clones when you see them running. Uh, McCaffrey Mitchell. So, and Gainwell had a very nice game. I think he's actually more explosive than Miles Sanders. And Sanders being a free agent, I think you'll see Gainwell featured next year. So, 
a lot of uh, excitement there. These extra playmakers, uh, deep offenses, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Who do you got winning the NFC Championship game, Vinny? I'm 49ers. I think you go with the two hot teams here. Cincinnati's red hot. San Francisco is just rolling here. I think the level of competition, Philadelphia's face, not the same that San Francisco's seen all season. So I think they'll be prepared. I think the biggest difference for the 49ers are linebackers, Fred Warner, Greg Greenlaw, those guys in the middle of the field, they can make a difference. Right? I think the Eagles are a little bit weaker at those spots. So you got Bengals. 49ers Super Bowl. We've seen that before, haven't we, bud? Yeah, it will fire up uh, Joe Montana. We'll fire up uh, Ken Anderson, Boomer Saxon, anybody else you want from those Super Bowls. But yeah, those are a lot of fun, especially the second one with uh, John Taylor and the drive by Joe Montana and the John Candy thing. So unfortunately, John Candy's no longer with us. That's the only thing that's <laughs> disappointing that he won't be at this game. Brother, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy conference championship weekend, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. All right, thank you. Vinny Iyer, NFL reporter for the Sporting News, helping us preview the game. He likes the 49ers over the Eagles. Hmm. I'll give my picks on Friday for conference championship weekend, and so will new producer Dawson. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Foodie poll question of the week. The final one with producer extraordinaire Miss Anna Five Names as she's moving on to her new role with the game in Delta Media. What's the most ridiculous thing Five Names eats? And she eats some ridiculous things now. Is it eating ramen noodles dry? Like their potato chip. Is it putting cheese on the red beans, which she eats out of a can? Is it pickle popsicles? Or is it all of the above? 46% of you say all of the above. 27% say cheese on red beans. 17% say the dry ramen. And 10% of you say pickle popsicles. Doug has chimed in. Big fan of Hannah's. Big fan of the show. Friend of the show. All three are weird, but we still love her. There it is. There it is. All three are weird, but we still love you. Five names. Hart on Twitter says, I'm convinced this is the chef five names gets all her recipes from. <laughs> the sweetest chef from the Muppets. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, my good. Uh, Krista on Twitter says, the th three reasons I listen to the show. To figure out what the hell Ton is talking about by learning about sports here. To hear Hannah Five Names put guys in check. 
to vote on Wednesdays. Speaking of, cheese on red beans? Again, honey, who hurt you? Are you okay? Blink twice for help. I just read the comment. That's what Krista says. I'm just reading the comments. Five names. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not the one that says that. I'm, I didn't type that up. I didn't do it with the Twitter fingers. I, I, I got to rise out of the chair from five names. Hannah, while we have a moment, would you like to address these folks in their uh, in their comments? Would you like to tell the people, thank you for your concern, but I'm okay. I have not been hurt, and I am, in fact, not hostage. Yes, I, I'm, I'm okay. I've only blinked once. No blink twice. I make my own food, make my own concoctions. Most of the time, Kenneth goes along with it. Sometimes he doesn't. He loves you. He still loves me anyway. He just goes, all right, you got that. It's all you, bud. But, yes, I am, I'm, I'm okay, I promise. <laughs> I make other food that tastes good that John would probably like. So, I'm, I'm sorry, what was that last part again? What, what is that supposed to be? I don't know. Uh, just <laughs> just random sound effect? Yes, the sound effect for you and your fingers. Like, uh-uh, type finger. And you believe they make that sound? Yeah, when fingers so. move, they yeah. make that sound? 100%. What's, what's going on down in Slidell? Because there's quite questions. Your hometown... We all, we all go around the, the one chicken place that everyone loves to go eat that's not, yeah. Oh, where, so you don't care the, for it. We're oh. the Georgia two-time, super, you know, two-time champion Georgia quarterback went and served that for a minute after he won the championship. That place. Yeah? Yeah. Everyone revolved around that one place that was right by my old stomping grounds of my old workplace. No free ads here. Trying to figure out what it toward is not going well. A lot of vagueness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five letter word. The, the place that Stinson Bennett yes. served chicken at, of course, mm-hmm. is a Louisiana based uh, chicken establishment yes. that just does one thing and it's chicken strips. The, yes. uh, the other, your other stomping ground is a place that is an American restaurant that pretends to be Australian. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. I helped. Thank you. It's like when I was trying to describe gifts in the beginning of our time here. Terrible at it. It's fine. You all love me. You all will miss me. It's be okay. You're extraordinary. I am. That's why I wear the jacket. That is. Well, it's not a jacket. It's a hoodie. It's still a jacket. Is it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not for sure. The umbrella is a jacket. And then the raindrops that come off the umbrella are hoodie quarter zip. Zip up. Pull over. I pose another one up. Did you smoke something this morning before no, the show? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm slightly concerned. Dawson, I'm glad you're here. He's doing great back here. <laughs> Keep voting on the poll question of the day, which is the foodie poll question of the week. What's the most ridiculous thing Hannah Five Names likes to eat? Right now, 45% of you say all of the above. 29% say cheese on red beans. 16% says dry ramen. And 10% say pickled popsicles. Keep those votes coming. Coming up, Andrew Juge, our buddy from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, will join us. Can we just get done with all this Sean Payton stuff? Are we close? Is that going to happen? We'll ask Andrew about that. That's coming up next.
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdin is ready for Saints talk. Begin the Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the big easy blitz here on RP3 and Company. Andrew Juge from the Saints Half Hour Podcast joins us now here on RP3 and Company. Andrew, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, Raymond. It's on me on. Appreciate you making the time, bud. All right. Uh, when are we going to have an end to the Sean Payton offseason saga? Is it mercifully going to come to an end soon? Because I'm tired of hearing stories about it every day. I think we all are, yeah. And listen, uh, there's still four teams. I, I think until these jobs gets resolved, uh, it, it's still out in the open. And certainly with Carolina, I think that maybe pushed things back a couple days. But I would think that by middle of next week at the latest, uh, you know, and I, I think initially my day of this week, but obviously with things getting pushed back in Carolina, that pushed the whole timeline back a little bit. I think we may have to wait another week or so, unfortunately, but uh, it, it does feel like it's drafting one way versus the other that it's difficult to see where this is going to land. Now that he's having a second interview with Denver, do you still believe they are the front runners to get him, or do you believe there's another team that still has a great chance? Well, like the Deshaun Watson situation, and if you remember that, uh, it was really New Orleans and Atlanta. And Cleveland came in at the last minute and kind of made things happen. So I, I think the similar in the sense that, yes, it does trend towards Denver right now, and that seems to be the most likely. Uh, as we've learned in the NFL, it's not who's in pull. We'll try to get Andrew back on. We started losing him there. Obviously, the connection was not great. We're talking with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He's joining us here on the Big Easy Blitz on RP3 and Company. And we're talking about the Sean Payton situation, and it continues to drag out. All right, We know he's already interviewed with the Carolina Panthers. He's interviewing with the Arizona Cardinals. He's already interviewed with the Houston Texans. He's going to interview with the Denver Broncos for a second time. So when is this going to get resolved? All those teams need a coach. And we know that Denver is really making a strong push. Russell Wilson has reportedly petitioned to have Sean Payton as his coach. The Broncos want him. They want him desperately. I guess it all depends if Sean wants to go there. And, Andrew, we lost you there on the connection, bud. Uh, Is Denver still the front runner in your opinion? I think so. I mean, things can change very quickly. I mean, with the Deshaun Watson situation, for example, uh, we saw how quickly things can change when someone comes at the last minute and offers more guaranteed money. So uh, I still think Carolina's one to watch if they're willing to give the Saints maybe more than everyone else. Uh, at this point, it does trend towards Denver. But uh, look, Arizona getting added to the mix late in the interview process. Uh, that's one to watch as well. I feel like from a roster and quarterback situation, that's a pretty good spot for Sean Payton as well. Denver, what can they offer? I mean, I, I know 
they they desperately want Sean. Russell Wilson has uh, reportedly made the pitch to get Sean. Uh, ownership is all about it. What's going to be the hangup? I, I think, look, I think Sean Payton would want to go there. Um, you know, I, they're committed to Russell Wilson. So I, certainly if you didn't feel like Russell Wilson had it anymore, if you felt like he was washed and kind of finished, then – it's hard to see a path of being successful when you're really tied to him for at least another year, maybe two, based on the way his contract is structured. So I don't know that they have a great defense, and I think Sean Payton probably does feel like he can fix Russell Wilson. And so uh, I, I don't really see I, – I think that the, the reservations would more be on Denver's side if they were maybe uncertain to kind of give Sean Payton full control of the team uh, or if maybe you know financially they couldn't come to terms on just – how much money Sean Payton would want, because I fully expect that he's going to want to be the highest paid coach in the league. Uh, from a compensation standpoint, as far as the Saints are concerned, my understanding is that all of these teams have loosely agreed to terms on Mickey Loomis on parameters that the Saints would accept. So I don't expect that to be a holdup. And at the end of the day, I do think the Saints will walk from all of this with the first round pick and maybe a little bit more. What's the timeline here, Andrew? I mean, I know there's there's still a possibility of other, other teams getting involved here. We, we've seen this happen before. It stands right now Wednesday morning. Will Sean Payton be hired as a head coach by Monday? I don't think so. I think this drags into next week uh, with second interviews. But then I think next week it starts to heat up and happen pretty quickly. So I, I'll say a week from today. My expectation is that when we're doing this show a week from today, uh, that will have, if not an answer, uh, cer- certainly things trending in a, in a certain direction. We're talking with Andrew Jude of the Saints Half Hour Podcast. He joins us here talking about Sean Payton, where he's going to go, where he should go, what will happen there. All right, let's shift the focus back to the team because they decided to keep Dennis Allen. They decided to run it back with Pete Carmichael. What's your reaction by Mickey Loomis and company kind of just keeping the status quo with this team and running it back for another season? I got to be honest, it's surprising, Raymond. Uh, It's surprising in the sense that you look at a team that failed to score 20 points a game. Uh, They go 7-10 and for the season, despite the fact that defensively they kind of fix things. And, uh, you know, as critical as a lot of people rightfully want to be about Dennis Allen, I do feel like they kind of fix the defense. And at times, during the year, they really looked elite defensively. They held the San Francisco to 40, the 49ers to 13 points. That's back when Garoppolo was still the quarterback. And now they look like a buzzsaw. And really the Saints D and Christian McCaffrey was on record as saying, I don't care what the numbers say, that's the best defense we've played all year. And, and so, look, I, I think the Saints are good enough defensively to their top five in the league, and I think they're good enough defensively to win games and, and to be in the playoffs and to be a contender. So it's all about the other side of the football complementing them. And you know, to run it back with Pete Carmichael kind of states that they're comfortable with status quo, which is a little shocking to me. And so they've got to figure out quarterback. Now, if they were to bring back Andy Dalton and really run it back fully the same as last year <laughs> to me that's the, that, that's the definition of insanity right because then you're expecting a different result while not changing anything and so that's kind of the last remaining change that they can make is at that position to where I think there would be potentially a substantial chance of things changing so 
to me, whether they go all in for Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, uh, I don't expect Lamar Jackson to become available. But if he did, obviously, like, I think the Saints kind of have to go all in for one of those guys, especially if they don't have a first-round pick in this draft. Let me throw something out at you, and I want you to marinate on this. So they're going to be over the cap. They have to figure that out again, and Mickey's a wizard with it for this upcoming season, right? But the following year, they're projected to be 40 under the cap, and that number could grow significantly. And you're not going to have Michael Thomas's contract on that. And you're going to be able to probably part ways with Andres Pete. Cam Jordan may retire. There's going to be a lot of money available in 2024. I'm not saying Mickey is looking at this and going, you know what, we're just going to tread water for another year and then we'll make wholesale changes because we'll have all the cap space and all these draft picks again because of the Sean Payton trade and because of our own picks. But I don't think Mickey Loomis is necessarily all upset about what 2024 is going to bring to the team either. Well, listen, I I expect him to kick the can down the road again, and I I think he'll make the cap much more manageable and the team will be able to make some moves this offseason because they'll kick the can and put a lot of this debt into next year. And so the way 2024 looks right now as we're talking on the show is going to be very different from what it looks like, I think, come March uh, because I think they will push things down there, especially if they try to go get a quarterback uh, where they'll have to defer a lot of his salary to subsequent years. So. It's going to be interesting to see how they approach the offseason. That's kind of always been Mickey Loomis's approach. And look, if they were in the AFC West, if they were in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, maybe they'd feel differently. But they're not. They're in the NFC South. Tom Brady's about to leave, I think. Uh, right now, it's maybe Desmond Ritter quarterbacking the Falcons. And we have no idea who's quarterbacking the Panthers, but this division is terrible and it's wide open and it's there for the taking. And so I think Mickey Loomis truly believes that with a couple big moves, he's right back in the mix to win this division. So I don't know that the Saints are going to be able to be reckless given the realities of their cap situation, but I absolutely think they're going to try to be shrewd to make moves to stay competitive. I agree with you on that. I just wonder and worry about this. You're going to kick the can down the road. You're going to make all these moves to win the division and be an eight to nine win team that's going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like, I, the, the, what's the ceiling here? And of the guys that are going to be available, they're only slight upgrades compared to what you already have at quarterback. And you still have Pete Carmichael as the offensive coordinator. So you, you trade Andy Dalton for Derek Carr, you trade Andy Dalton for Jimmy G. You still have Pete Carmichael. You still need more wide receivers. You still got to figure out your O-line depth. I I don't think this team is close to being a contender. I don't think they're a middle-tier quarterback away from being a contender. Do you? I don't. I don't. Um, And and so, look, rosters are built over time, and and I do think the Saints are two to three years away. Um, But, look, they they can start building now, and I I think if they get their quarterback of of the foreseeable future, that's a great place to start. Every football team needs that, and currently the Saints don't have a quarterback. So to me, that's that's step number one, regardless of what your plan is going to be moving forward. And, and look, beyond that, I think when you talk about a roster being built over time, the thing for me, more than Pete Carmichael, more than Dennis Allen, more than any of that, the thing that really needs to stop is trading away your future first-round picks because now it's clear 
the Saints aren't picking in the 20s. They just gave away a top 10 pick to Philadelphia. So they need to stop doing that, and they need to draft well. How you build a good team over time is drafting well, but you can't draft well, Raymond, if you don't have a first-round pick. So I think the thing, the, the thing that, where they really need to look in the mirror and kind of resol- resolve with themselves is that, hey, we're not a, a shoe in to make the playoffs anymore. We don't know how these seasons are going to go. We might be a team that struggles, and therefore we need to hang on to these first-round picks. And so that means maybe we don't have the luxury of moving up in some of these drafts, and we may need to stay put and just select where we're slotted. I know we're still waiting to find out what the compensation is going to be for Sean Payton, Andrew. What needs to be the priority this offseason with free agency and the draft for the Saints that's not quarterback? Well, I still think it stays on that side of the ball. And again, if you're going to stick with Pete Carmichael, then the priority has to be you're basically saying if you keep Pete Carmichael, you basically have to say that it's the offense, it's the player's fault that we didn't succeed. So whether it be injuries or personnel, that's what held us back from being successful, not the play calling, not the coaching. That's basically what the Saints are saying. And so if that's true, and I don't know that I agree with that, but if that's true, then the Saints need to go out and they need to get a contested catch receiver because if Michael Thomas is leaving, I love Olave, I love Rashid Shahid, but they're not contested catch guys. And when it's third and three and you need four yards to get a first down and a receiver is going to get hit big over the middle, those are not the guys you trust to get that first down. So if Michael Thomas is leaving, they need to get that replacement. They need to get another running back to supplement Alvin Kamara, uh, especially going in between the tackles. And look, off interior offensive line, just with the injuries, you mentioned Andrews Pete. Uh, it would be great to see a replacement there as well. Yeah, O-line, wide receiver, and running back. That, that, that's a lot of needs in addition to the quarterback. <laughs> to the quarterback. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason yet again for the Saints. Andrew, appreciate your time as always, brother. Uh, be safe out there, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. And hopefully, Sean Payton will have found a new home and we can start moving forward. Well, yeah, fingers crossed on that. Uh, always a pleasure, Raymond. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing your face again next week. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What a show. What a hump day edition of RP3 and Company. I want to take a moment to thank our guests for helping make it happen. Ron Higgins, the mad dog from Tiger Details. He did not mince his words about the LSU men's basketball team. They are driving the struggle bus to nowhere. 
Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News helping us preview NFL Conference Championship weekend. He likes Bengals 49ers. We've seen that Super Bowl before, by the way. That would be wildly intriguing. I, I like Cincinnati. I do. I, I think I would pick Cincinnati even with, even without the high ankle sprain by Mahomes. I just—they're built for the road. Joe Burrow's not phased by anything, seemingly. And the way they dominated Buffalo up front makes me go, "Okay, they got this." And Kansas City's back end of its defense isn't great. But the NFC, man, I keep going back and forth on if it's going to be the 49ers or the Eagles. Once again, Dawson and I will make our picks on Friday's show. And also thanks to Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast for stopping by as well to give us the latest updates and his thoughts on the Sean Payton saga because that's where we're at right now. It's a saga that hopefully will come to an end sooner than later. Our poll question of the day is our foodie poll question of the week on Wednesdays. And it's the final one with Hannah Five Names being involved with the show as she's moving on to her new role with the company. What's the most ridiculous thing Five Names eats? Was it dry ramen, cheese on red beans, out of a can, pickle popsicles, or all of the above? 44% of you say all of the above. Second place went to cheese on red beans with 32% of the vote. 15% say dry, dry ramen. And 9% of you say pickle popsicles. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day and left your comments. We greatly appreciate you. Even the ones that made fun of Hannah. She appreciates you as well. LSU struggle bus. Pelicans trying to get healthy, trying to get back on track. And the Baseball Hall of Fame decided to elect Scott Rowland into Cooperstown. Okie dokie. This is where we're at with the Hall of Fame. I mean, if you're going to put in Scott Rowland, why don't you put in Mark Grace? Mark Grace was a better hitter. <laughs> I just, I, this is what we're doing now. Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, they're not in because they either took steroids or they were jerks. They're not in, but Scott Rowland's going in. Make it make sense. Because it really doesn't. It just doesn't. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back on tomorrow, 6 to 9. We got Dan McDonald, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and play-by-play voice of ESPN Plus broadcast for Raging Cajuns joining us. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com and Dan Favalli, NBA reporter from Bleacher Report, all scheduled to stop by, so make sure to stay tuned and tune in for that. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.